Peace fam, it's your girl Amy here with another episode of Lover Goddess, the podcast where we talk about all things self-love, sexuality, and the divine feminine. First thing I want to do is thank you so very much for all of you who have reached out to me um, and sent me your love, your blessings, those of you who sent donations and prayers and just anything positive my way. Uh, I am so immensely grateful for that. It has definitely, (laughs) definitely helped me through this crazy time in my personal life. And I know without the love and support that family, friends, loved ones, and even strangers have given me, this would be even more difficult to deal with and if this is your first time listening or if you missed the last episode i had a miscarriage recently and um last week monday um i i had surgery a dnc and um actually right now i'm waiting to leave for my appointment for my follow-up to make sure that everything went well um I've never had surgery before and I went under anesthesia um, for the first time and of course with COVID and all of that, um, no one could be back there with me. So my partner um, had to wait outside and uh, it was a lot. It was definitely a lot. I'm glad it's over with. Um, but just for any of you who are interested in, in what that sort of process looks like, what a DNC is, it's essentially um, like a vacuum where they dilate your cervix and they suck up all of the um, blood and tissue and everything that was beginning to form, um, you know, in my uterus. So. Um, they told me, let's see, they scheduled the surgery and they let me know that Sunday night, since my surgery was on a Monday, um, I wasn't supposed to eat or drink anything past midnight. They wanted me at the hospital at 8 a.m. so that I could take a COVID test and have that come back negative before they took me back, um, to start an IV. So uh, my partner was able to be with me for the beginning part, signing me in, doing all of the consent forms. They essentially asked me if I had a will, if I died, like who they were supposed to contact and all of that fun stuff. And seeing how my family lives, you know, multiple states away, it was kind of eerie. (laughs) I mean, I know uh, my partner would take care of me and do you know everything he needed to but still the fact that I was having to go through this with literally only him um, to rely on <laughs> was really emotional and I guess it still is emotional but COVID test was negative and um, at about nine o'clock they um, explained to me that they would be taking me back and that he would have to wait at home. 
the surgery, the whole process would take about three to four hours. They would text him and call him when it was time for him to come pick me up. So I um, said goodbye to him and they wheeled me into the back. And I, like I said, I've never had surgery before. And I was kind of taken aback by how many beds there were. There were so many beds and they were only separated by like sheets on either side. And so me walking to my bed, I could see everyone either laying there ready, preparing for surgery or recovering from surgery. And it was just really eerie and strange and people were just moaning and making sounds and feeling high off of the IV drugs that they were all given. Of course, there's no windows in there because it's a hospital and it was just like the worst feeling ever. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> The nurse lady, I don't know what they're called, she was really, really nice to me. And, um, you know, some of them were really, really talkative and, um, you know, upbeat and all that. And I was just not in that mood. So uh, I was grateful for my nurse lady <laughs> who had a super, like, motherly energy and uh, she knew what I was there for and she explained everything that she was doing in terms of putting an IV in my arm and asking me if I was cold and um, how she could make me more comfortable and I don't remember her name <laughs> but I'm so grateful for her energy and uh, as much as I really don't like doctors and hospitals and that whole situation makes me feel crazy, um, so much love and gratitude to any of you out there who work in that field, who serve people on their worst days. <laughs> because I was so scared and so lonely and sad and upset and all of the words you can think of and she was just so kind to me the entire time so thank you to anyone in uh, the field of medicine or in the service industry for your service because that shit is terrible and it's hard and um it's not only hard for the patients, but I'm sure it's difficult for you all to see people in varying states of overwhelm and sadness. So, so much love and appreciation, even though I still maintain that I don't like the doctor, I don't like the hospital. And, um, you know, but as far as things go, um, those things go I guess it went well um, she connected me to the IV the IV had like Xanax and some other drugs in it and I just sat and stared at the wall 
my bed was positioned in front of a door and by a telephone so I just watched people coming in and out answering phones calling um, the patients loved ones to come pick them up I was hearing people all around me waking up from their anesthesia and requesting vodka and all sorts of strange things um, I started wondering if I was going to act weird when I came out of anesthesia, wondering what I might say. Um, and yeah, I sat there for hours and at about 10.30, 10.45, 11 o'clock even, um, the doctor started to come in and they all kind of like rushed me. Um, you know, for how slow things went at the beginning, once they were ready, they were ready. I was on my phone um, texting my partner and my sister, and you know, the, the surgeons, they come in, and one lady grabs my phone out of my hands, um, and is like, I'm putting this away now, we're getting ready for your surgery, and then another person comes with a different um, thing to put over my face, and they're telling me to hold it to my face, while you know three or four other people come in my direction to hold it to my face to take deep breaths and I remember kind of fumbling with holding it to my face because um, it didn't really like fit on my face and it kept sort of sliding or falling and that was the last thing I remember um, and the next thing I knew um, I'm waking up and um, the the nurse was like uh, do you want to wake up now Should, uh, you ready to get going and I was a little bit confused because a I was coming out of anesthesia and B um, I was told that I would be in the waiting room for an hour after the um, the surgery so I anticipated that I would be awake for an hour waiting to be picked up but apparently I didn't make any jokes. I didn't say anything crazy. I just slept the entire hour. Um, and uh, she asked if I was ready to go. I stood up and, um, you know, she was, she was holding me steady. Uh, well, first she told me to get dressed laying down in the bed. And then she said to wait for her to, to stand up and I did. They brought a wheelchair um, and they wheeled me outside to, uh, to my partner. And they told me, well, they prescribed um, some Percocet, some ibuprofen, some antibiotics, and they gave me a pill for, um, to take if I got a yeast infection from the antibiotics. And essentially they just told me, um, to give them a call if I was bleeding too heavily and by too heavily if I bled through a pad to let them know to call immediately and um, it was a lot <laughs> not the blood but the whole um, the whole thing was a lot and I was sore and crampy not as badly as I thought I would be um, I ended up not taking the Percocet. I just smoked a bunch of weed instead. 
and I kind of just laid in bed for about five days. Um, just took it easy, kind of processing everything that happened. Um, spent a lot of time cuddling up with my little cancer and um, not talking to anyone. I recorded the podcast um, and that was kind of like my blanket statement to everyone because I just didn't have any energy to talk about the specifics of everything with each individual person. I'm the type of person that needs space uh, when things happen. Um, I need space between me and other people. I need space between the event and the time that it occurred. I need time. Um, And I know that that is difficult for some of the people in my life to accept and to understand. Um... A lot of people didn't know exactly how to be there for me. And I, (laughs) I don't know either, man. (laughs) Um, Except just to hold space, to give me space and to let me come to you. I guess that's my Leo moon, right? (laughs) Uh, The way cats behave, cats only want to uh, interact on their own terms. And I guess I'm a big giant cat. Like I, I can only do it. I can only handle it when I'm ready to handle it. So thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for trying to understand. Thank you for being there for me in any way that you've been there for me. <laughs> Whew. I promise I didn't think I was going to cry the entire time that I was talking to you. (laughs) I'm sorry for the the ugly cry moments, but also not sorry because this is real shit, man. This is real life. This is what I'm really going through, what I'm really feeling. And, um, you know, miscarriages are so common and we don't talk about them. And it leaves people who experience them feeling so alone and guilty and confused and depressed and sad and anxious and all of the things. And I really feel like it's a disservice to sweep these sorts of things under the rug. Yes, it's an uncomfortable topic, um, but that's the nature of the divine feminine. There's life, death, and rebirth wrapped into one big beautiful confusing chaotic mess and um you know as members of the divine feminine we are capable of all of it if you look at the goddess archetypes there's you know mawu mother earth and then there's also kali the destroyer um And it's all one and the same. It's all the divine feminine. Life, death, rebirth, all in our wombs. Um, All of it is possible. And all of it is sacred. And that doesn't mean it's not difficult. (laughs) But it's worth talking about. And, uh, we deserve to know that we're not alone. 
and that it's not our fault. We also deserve to know that this is not the end. This is not where our stories end. This is not where my story ends. And that life is possible. That rebirth is possible. And in fact, I'm one step closer to that outcome, having gone through and experienced this um, is bringing me closer to my own destiny. So there is uh, there's something to that. So, I need to get ready and put some clothes on because I'm talking to you naked on my couch. Hey! <laughs> um, I gotta get ready for this appointment, but I'm gonna tap back in and let you know how the follow-up goes before I publish this particular episode. So, I'll talk to you in a few seconds. Alright, so I am back from my doctor's appointment and honestly that whole thing could have been taken care of over a phone call this one was kind of a waste of my time (laughs) you know the days where you have an appointment scheduled for 11 o'clock and they don't see you until 11 50 and then you talk to the doctor for like two whole minutes and then you're done that was my experience today and um, I came to the facility with a full bladder because they usually uh, take a urine sample and I was expecting to have a pelvic exam but neither one of those things happened which I guess that's a plus Um, I don't love having doctors in my vagina but I also just kind of felt like it was a waste of time, but I'm not going to keep complaining. I know doctors are busy. They got a lot on their plate, blah, blah, blah. But damn, I could have taken care of that on a phone call. Essentially, she asked me if I was feeling any residual pain, if I was having any cramping, and luckily I'm not. Um, I told her that I'm still spotting. I asked if that was normal, and she said typically it lasts... Uh, for two weeks and again as long as I wasn't soaking through a pad then we were good Um, she's really nice and you know tries to like empathize she was saying how sorry she was that I had to go through that and asking me how I'm handling everything but those questions are hard to answer because it's like I know you don't want the real answer like you know I know you're just asking it and that's kind of that's kind of been my whole thing with talking to people about this experience because it's like what is there to say (laughs) what is there to say about this like of course it's horrible of course like it's been difficult of course all of those things so I just don't feel like talking about it like that so um, I told her uh, she was like are you handling it well I was like yeah I think so (laughs) and uh, I mean it's well intentioned and people just don't know what to say but the truth is that there is nothing to say and um, 
So, yeah. Anyway, she gave me some pieces of information that I did not know previously. Um, again, this is her words, not mine, but she was saying that after a DNC, which is the procedure that I got, your fertility rates um, actually go up. And after your first miscarriage, the likelihood of a second miscarriage um, is statistically a lot smaller. So she told me that um, in about two weeks or so, I should be having um, a period and that this one will be, will likely be heavier than my typical cycles are. And not to be alarmed if there's more blood and more cramping than usual. It's uh, my body just resetting itself. Um, and she said two weeks after my natural period, my partner and I can um, start trying for another baby if that's something that we want to do. Um, so for anyone out there who's had a DNC um, or who's currently going through um, miscarriage, those things are um, interesting to know that after a DNC, your fertility rates increase, and that after your first miscarriage, the statistic probability of having another um, is quite low. Of course, that doesn't mean you won't have another miscarriage. There's lots of, there's so many factors that go into all of that, but it is um, nice to know and it does make me at least feel hopeful to know that um, statistically the chances of going through that again are lower um, now for anyone I've been reading a lot um, the book that I've been reading is called um, it's all about the egg and uh, like the title <laughs> suggests, it's talking all about the importance of um, eggs during conception. And um, the book it covers, it even talks about um, the importance of sperm, it talks about miscarriage, fertility, etc. It was saying that if you have a second miscarriage, so this is for anyone who's already experienced this, um, get your chromosomes tested for an underlying issue or cause so your provider might not suggest this to you but if you've had two miscarriages um, ask your provider for chromosome testing uh, to test for again an underlying issue to see like what is the cause of what's going on because um, that could give you some more information as to um, what nutrients you're missing um, just the cause really and that's what you want to get to is why why are these miscarriages happening and after again this since statistically having two is um so so small um there's got to be some underlying issue and once you know what the cause is you can look for a solution um so uh, some things that I learned also in reading this, since so much of this is about your eggs and your egg quality, we're taught a lot as women that the older you get, the worse your eggs are and there's nothing you can do about it. But there's actually so much that you can do to increase your fertility, your egg quality, and to reduce the likelihood of miscarriage. 
and um, there are some supplements out there to make sure that you are taking if you're someone who um, is wanting a baby, having trouble getting pregnant, or whatever. So I'm not a doctor, but this, again, is from the book. It's all about the egg. So um, one thing that's really important is antioxidants. You want to make sure that you are just flooding your system with antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E. Um, look them up. <laughs> uh, pomegranate juice it has so many antioxidants in it. Uh, berries, so many antioxidants. Green tea. Um, there's a lot. Um, and I think CoQ10 is considered an antioxidant as well. And the book was saying that if you only add um, one supplement to your diet, that it should be this CoQ, I don't know if it's CoQ10 or CoQ310. Um, but in any case, if you get you some CoQ10, that is going to um, help the vitality of your eggs is going to help to energize your eggs. I had a brain fart there for a second. I don't know why. <laughs> um, folate is also really important. Um, and folate is typically in prenatal vitamins. But just that natural or just folate itself is really difficult for your body to synthesize. So you want to look for um, folate that is mesylated folate um, and that is easier for the body to uh, to use and to make sure that it's actually absorbing all of what you um, are intaking so if you're someone who wants to be pregnant or is thinking about it in within the next year or so you should probably start taking a prenatal vitamin now and make sure that it has the mesylated folate in it um, that it has a good amount of vitamin D, vitamin C. Um, you can also supplement with other antioxidants on your own. Um, some of them, some of the prenatal vitamins already have CoQ10 in it. And that's actually um, typically for your heart health, but for whatever reason, it helps to increase fertility. And folate and the CoQ10 are, are good for sperm count as well, sperm count and sperm quality. Um, so you can encourage your partner to, um, to take vitamins like that. Um, the book suggested the Smarty Pants vitamins for men, and it has all of that stuff already in there, and their um, gummy vitamins are easy to take. So that is important to think about too. Um, listed in the book is a healthy lifestyle and a healthy diet so food is medicine and in our society in the united states we don't often treat food this way but in the book there's just so many recommendations about the foods you should be eating and the foods you should be avoiding there is so much toxins or there are so many toxins in fast food and fast food packaging, there's a lot of estrogen in 
and fast food. So one of the main things the book was saying is to make sure that you are eating the majority of your meals at your home um, and to make sure that you are avoiding storing and preparing your meals in plastic. So those microwavable meals in plastic, the plastic Tupperware, those all have BPA in it and that's like a synthetic form of estrogen which uh, impacts, negatively impacts your sperm and your eggs. So removing those food items from those trays and heating them up in glass or in the oven or storing them in stainless steel is going to, uh, it's a small way to make a big difference in your vitality and your fertility. Um, smoking is, is terrible if you're trying to get pregnant. Caffeine, which I am so in love with coffee, but I've recently decided to stop drinking it um, because it's just, there's no real benefit to it. It's bad for your adrenal glands. It's bad <laughs> for um, your, your eggs, for all of it. So while I do drink matcha now, um, you shouldn't be exceeding 50 milligrams of, ca- of caffeine a day. Um, and that's especially if you suffer from anxiety. Um, caffeine can actually exacerbate it. So if you feel anxious all the time, Uh, and you drink coffee, the caffeine could be playing a big role in that. Um, Yeah, there's... um, Let's see. Oh, you want to make sure too that you have um, omega-3s for your egg and sperm quality as well. So eating more fish... Um, or taking a supplement is going to be important as well. Um, Again, start taking prenatals now. If you want to be pregnant in the next year, start taking the prenatals now. It can um, help your body uh, prepare for, you know, that big event because um, everything that you do (laughs) impacts your fertility. And... um, you know, there are ways to, it's like, it's simple, but it's not easy at the same time, right? Because we, there's so many environmental toxins around us. Our food is not real food. We have to go out of our way to make sure that the food we are eating and are exposing ourselves to is actual nutritious and healthy food instead of processed. The more processed it is, the more toxic it is for your reproductive system and even if you're not trying to get pregnant or get someone pregnant your fertility is a measure of your health of your vitality so this this information is important for everyone if you can reduce the amount of food you are buying and preparing in plastic so the difference is like there's a lot of food that is packaged in plastic and that doesn't impact your body as much it's when you're microwaving plastic or putting like hot soup or hot meals into plastic containers that is harmful very harmful to your body Um, when you touch receipts from the grocery store you want to wash your hands right after because your skin is your largest organ and receipts are just 
covered in um, in toxins um, and phthalates. Phthalates are everywhere. Phthalates, I think they're like a synthetic form of estrogen or they impact your body in that way. And so phthalates are very toxic to your body. Um, anything in your home that says fragrance in the ingredients has phthalates in it and that is in turn harmful uh, to your health, to your vitality, to your fertility. So we're talking like hairsprays, we're talking fingernail polish, we're talking your lotion. So um, for me, I don't use lotion. I use coconut oil or shea butter or, uh, and of course all of these are unscented. And if I do have anything scented in my home, it is, um, at least for me, because my partner still has some scented things. Um, then it's scented with essential oil. So that's something that you can start phasing out and being more aware of, is that everything that says fragrance has a phthalate in it, and a phthalate is poisonous to your body um, and could be negatively impacting your fertility. Um, let's see. I wrote down a few things as I was reading this book just for myself, but also to make sure that from listening to this horrible story about my life <laughs> that you are at least learning something so um yeah phthalates you want they are endocrine disruptors and that means that your natural ability to produce hormones is being blocked and we know that hormone production is very important when it comes to creating and carrying a baby my progesterone level one of my hormones it wasn't high enough and um that was a clue that I was having a miscarriage. And while I don't know the exact reason why my miscarriage happened, um, in reading this book, I, I know that there's a lot of things that could have potentially impacted it. Um, so phthalates are in plastic, vinyl, cleaning products, nail polish, fragrances, laundry detergent, cosmetics, and fast food and processed food. Uh, now there are ways to to um, minimize the, that exposure, right? And to make sure that the you can get unscented things. You can get naturally scented things with essential oils. You can make a lot of your own um, products I, like I mentioned that I, I don't use lotion I put coconut oil or I uh, whip up some shea butter um, it was saying in the book that one fast food meal in 24 hours um, had so someone who had one fast food meal in 24 hours had 24% higher phthalate levels in their system and the phthalate's name was DEHP, and that is linked to miscarriage. So just one meal in 24 hours increases your phthalate um, levels 24%. But the good news is that if you choose to make your meals at home and to decrease this exposure in as little as like two days, three days, you can lower you, um, the amount of phthalates in your body. So in just a few days, you can switch all of that around. So, there is no way, <laughs> there is no way to 100% reduce, like, 
we live in the world that we live in and we're humans we like to enjoy the things we enjoy so the likelihood of never coming in contact with bpa or phthalates is um minuscule we're always going to be exposed to something but when we know how these things are impacting us we can at least make some more informed choices we can make these smaller changes that will make a huge difference in your vitality your fertility and your health in general and we know now uh, during this pandemic that health is wealth so anything that we can do to be healthier is um is great so like i mentioned nail polish perfume and hairspray were the top three offenders when it comes to phthalates. Um, it also recommended if you're drinking coffee that you drink it from a French press um, because a lot of coffee makers have plastic parts and so you're continuously reheating that plastic and the plastic is leaching BPA into your coffee every day. So it's like you are slowly poisoning yourself. Um, nail polish has formaldehyde in it and formaldehyde exposure women who have formaldehyde exposure at work are twice as likely to miscarry um so yeah i mean there's just a lot uh, vitamin d can help your body to fight all of this so you want to make sure that you're getting a whole lot of vitamin D. Most of the population is deficient in vitamin D. We don't spend enough time outside. So you probably need a vitamin D supplement if you aren't taking one. Um, the average person needs like 4,000 IUs on average. So you need a lot of vitamin D. Um, you also wanna make sure that you're getting that folate, the methylfolate. Uh, if it's just folate on the back, it's not as easy for your body to digest, so you want to look for methylfolate. Uh, B12 is really good for you. CoQ10 is a wonderful antioxidant. You want to make sure you are um, choosing a vitamin or at least getting a supplement of CoQ10 to help your heart, but also just to improve all systems. It's one of the catch-alls. Um, yeah, minimize your, minimizing your exposure to BPA and phthalates can do a whole lot of good, okay? So, some of the foods I want to mention before I get going, this is all just notes I've taken from this book, but I just thought it was so interesting how much we don't talk about this and how big of an impact it actually has on your health. <clears throat> so um, you can get natural folate. Again, folate is so important for fertility and also for the neural development of, um, of your baby. So to eat more berries, oranges, spinach, broccoli, cauliflower, and kale. Um, and you kind of want to integrate these changes like three to four months before conception is ideal because then everything in your body will be um, energized and restored. But it was saying that anytime is a great place to start and to begin replacing plastic containers with glass and stainless steel. 
Um, yeah, it, even if plastic says BPA free, it's misleading because they just use a different version of <laughs> of the plastic that is not yet outlawed. So even if your plastic says BPA free, it's just a different version of synthetic estrogen. So still stay away from it, steer clear. Um, one of the biggest offenders is canned tomatoes. Since there's so much acidity in tomatoes um, and canned food in general has a lot of BPA in it, um, canned tomatoes are like a recipe for disaster. So get fresh tomatoes, steam them yourself, do what you can yourself. Um, canned beans are okay, but it's still better if you can get dried or frozen beans instead. You want to wash your hands after handling receipts or wear gloves if you're a cashier. Um, again, those the fragrances and cleaning supplies and beauty supplies, try to minimize those. Try to switch those out for something that's more natural. Um, and those are just a few of the tips. I'm going to stop preaching because, again, I'm not a doctor, but um, those are just some of the things I've been learning about health and fertility that may or may not be useful for you. I've implemented some changes already just based off of the things that I've been learning and my desire to live a long and healthy life. So yeah, um, I also want to just give a big shout out to my cancer boo. Um, this whole situation has just really shown me like how lucky I am to be in this relationship, to have met him, to be going through life and everything with him. He's such a kind, kind man. He's such a good man. He takes care of me and he just had my back so heavy during this whole process and I don't know what I would do without him and um, I've never been more sure about him or anyone in my entire life but uh, shout out to you thank you for everything thanks for doing life with me <laughs> and uh, before I get emotional I'm gonna sign off because I've already done enough crying in this episode but anyway, let me know what you think. Let me know if you learned anything. Let me know if you relate. If you have any questions, hit me up. Um, thank you again so much to those of you who have been sending me love, sending me donations, sending me um, and sending this podcast and, this, and my Instagram profile, my YouTube channel to other people, just any way that you've supported me. Um, especially in the last two months, especially in the last two weeks. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, I don't know what I would do without y'all. So I appreciate you. And I will talk to you in another episode. Bye.